Okay, we're in a series and we take a topic and we talk about it for several weeks. This is actually, actually this is going to be long, I think. It's my favorite topic, topic is grace, understanding, understanding God's grace. We title the series Discover Joy because when you truly, truly understand God's grace, it'll, it'll bring about joy, joy in your life. Today's topic is healing grace. Now, you don't have to live very long to understand that everyone has hurt, heartache, problems, uh, pain in their life. That's just part of being human, isn't it? The most difficult pains I think to get through is what I call rejection. To be rejected by uh, a parent, a spouse, a co-worker, um, whatever it might be, a child, a friend. Uh, rejection, rejection is just so hard and some of us may be carrying wounds from rejection, rejection years and years ago. It's just so difficult to get through. through. Uh, so what do we do with it? Does God, can God help? Well, in uh, the psalm, the psalmist writes this, he says this, this. He, God, heals the brokenhearted. Isn't it, isn't it wonderful to know <laughs> that there is healing? And God, God says, I will heal your broken heart and will bandage up, up your wounds. So that's wonderful, but the question is, how, how does God, God do that? Well, how, how does God heal a broken heart? How does he do it? Well, <clears throat> according to Scripture, it's a little different than you might think. According to Scripture, it says this, this by changing the way you think. Changing the way you think you think of God and God, how God, God relates to us. Change the way you think about your pain or your hurt. Change the way you think about yourself. Uh, Paul wrote this. He says, do not copy the behavior and customs of this world. So we're not supposed to, we're supposed to be different. different. Kind of, you know, we, we're different, but different. But let God do what? Transform you into a new, new person. How do that? How does he transform you? How does he heal your pain? By changing the way you think. Simple question. If you think you're a loser, how are you going to act? Like a loser. If you think you're a victim, how are you going to act? In fact, I know people that seem to put themselves in relationships and situations that they know they're going to be victims. Now, on the other hand, if you think of yourself as a creative person, you're out doing all these creative things. If you think of yourself as negative, you won't. So what we think is critical to go to the way we... In fact, I put it on your outline. Beliefs determine behavior. For example, if I believe... Stealing is okay, then I'm going to steal from people. Hopefully you don't. I believe stealing is wrong, so you don't steal. Another way of saying it is the way we think determines the way we act. So I think it's okay to be unkind, then I'll be be unkind. If I think it's good to be kind, I'm going to be kind. The way we think determines the way we act. The problem with that is we all have... Bad thinkers or false thinkers. We all believe stuff that isn't true. It's just, it's just it's fact, especially about ourselves. So that's what we want to talk about this morning. You ever been to a, a fun house where they have these discussion mirrors? Uh, I, I, I'm always really thin. And so I like to stand in front of it because what's it do? Makes me look heavier. Some of you, you might like for the opposite reason. I don't know. Right? Now, now. I look in that mirror, is it really me? 
No, the image is lying to me. The mirror is lying to me. I'm not heavier than I am. This is the size that I am. So, growing up, or even as adult, adults become, other adults become our mirror. What you and I think about ourselves come from the people that we interact with. Primarily as a child from your parents. If you had, you had great parents that poured positively, t- positivity into your life, life, then you probably were a positive person. If your parent kept telling, telling you, you're not out to nothing, you're, you're a loser, um, then, then you're going to have what we call uh, low self-esteem, right? right? Now, the question is, is the mirror accurate or is it a distorted mirror? And of course, of course it's all distorted because nobody's perfect. perfect. So we want to look at... I'm going to call it God's mirror. What God says about you and I. We get to choose, choose we can believe what the mirror of other people have told us or the mirror of God's word. So we're going to look, and again, this is grace series, so it's because of God's grace, he sees us. And if we see ourselves the way God does, it'll bring healing to those many of the verses in our lives. So here we go. Because of God's grace, how does he see me? First off, he sees as, as accepted. Accepted. Acceptable, maybe. It's easier to understand. Now, this is a big deal to, to human beings because we spend most of our lives, entire lives, to be accepted by, by people. Especially when you were a teenager, for example. We, we call it pressure, Right? Why do you, you, you want to dress a certain way, do your hair a certain way, act a certain way, talk a certain way? Because people you want to, want to be accepted by do, do those things. And so, so you, you and I do those, those things to try, to try and be accepted. Why would you buy, buy a certain car, not another, other car, another type of car? Because, you know, you know uh, I know some guys don't like, like mini, minivan. Then you have kids, kids, and you got to have a minivan to carry those kids around. But it's, but it's not going to drive a mini, minivan. So if you had your options, you wouldn't. It's not, not cool. You won't be accepted by the other cool guys if you're around a minivan. So we do so much in life, we don't even realize it, to be, be accepted by, by other people. Remember when you were young? Hope, maybe you don't, you don't. Maybe you still do this. Pe- people would, would dare you to do goofy stuff. Sometimes dangerous stuff. And, and you and I would go ahead and do it. Why? What is the only reason we would do it? Because we want to be accepted by those folks that dare us. And we feel like we, we would be rejected if we didn't. Now one way we try, try and do this is by be, be pre- being perfect. If I'm just Fine. perfect, I just... Do everything right, then, then, then everybody accept. Well, there's only, only been one per person I'll, I'll ever live, right? Everybody accepted him. In fact, eventually everybody rejected Jesus. And he went to a cross. So you can't be perfect. And even if you were, you wouldn't be accepted by everyone. So... Scripture says, <clears throat> in Romans, a lot of time to talk about this first, first part, but therefore accept each other. So that's a big part of, part of being part of a, a body, a church, church, is we're supposed to accept each other. Just as Christ has accepted you. There, there it is. Christ has accepted you. 
so that God will be given the glory. And again, it's only because of his grace. I am not perfect. God's perfect. He has no reason to accept me other than he chooses to, to by his grace. Now notice there's no conditions here. It doesn't say, say oh, if you do more good things than bad things. Or if you, if you basically behave yourself. Or if you go to church. Or if you give money to, to, to some charity. Or if you try and follow the Ten Commandments. Or whatever you want to put in there. There's no condition on, on this earth. God is willing to accept you if you, you accept him. That's it. If you accept the gift of salvation by grace, we talked about the first week. If you, if you accept that gift of salvation, receive Jesus, Jesus in your life, the Holy, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in you. You're promised an eternal relationship with, with Almighty God. You are, are accepted. Um, Peter wrote this, one of Jesus' disciples. Um, you have to read, to read the context to say what, what you're not like. But he says, you are a, a chosen people. So, God has chosen you. God has chosen me. Royal, royal peace, holy nation. God's very own possession. I don't know your experience as a, as a kid, but when I, when I was in gym class, I was even thinner than I am now. And so, and so they would divide up teams, teams to play flag football. Guess what? This, this guy would pick somebody, and this guy would pick somebody, and gradually the, 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 the amount of people got smaller and smaller. And guess who got, got picked last? Me, I was just a skinny little, little kid. It feels, feels terrible to be picked last. Or not picked last, you st- feel stuck. Team feels stuck with you, right? right? Now, some of, some of you, you might guys picking. I, I don't know. My, my experience is I wasn't chosen. And it feels horrible to not be chosen. On the other hand, I have a full, wonderful wife. Most of you know. You would agree, would agree I think. All right? One wonderful person. 45 years ago, she cho- chose me out of a couple billion guys in the world. That make you feel good. good. All you guys here that are married, you feel the way, don't you? That your wife picked you out of all the people out there. So it feels good to be the beach. And God says he has chosen you and I because we, he is, that we are acceptable. Now, some, some of you have had unpleasable, pleasable parents. Um, I, don't, I don't know my sister's uh, feelings about this. When I come home with a report card, card my mom got it. And if, if they weren't all A's, she would say, well, you know, why'd you get a B in this subject or get a C in this subject or whatever? Okay, okay. so finally, my senior year of high school, I was able, able to get straight A's a couple times. And to this day, I, I don't remember her response. It wasn't like, hey, it's fantastic, you got straight straight in. There wasn't anything to be unpleasable about, about. yes, I, I don't know. But, but, if you had a pleasable parent, I must say something really important, important to you. And they may be dead now, I don't know. But you don't need their approval. You don't, not to have joy in your, in your life. There are two people out of 7.8 billion, I think there is, there is on the earth. There are just two, all right? You don't need their approval to have God's joy in your life. He goes on, as a result, as a result of God cho- cho- uh, choosing us because of his family, you can show others the goodness of God. So it's not, it's not about, okay, it's about me. 
Where you're called out of the darkness into one light. Hey, I can see, I know. We, we are to share that love and joy with other people. So, because God's grace, God sees us as acceptable. Isn't that amazing? All right, all five of these, I believe, are amazing. Secondly, he sees us as valuable. Valuable. Some of you may not feel very, very valuable. How much, are, how much are you worth? Now, when we hear that question, the first thing, the first thing we think, oh, I got, you know, this much money in the bank. No, 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 that, that's, that's not, the, not the question. How much are you personally worth? I put it, put it on your outline. Thing. Yeah. <clears throat> your value has no relationship to your valuables. All right? So we're not talking about how much you owe. Money in the bank, in the bank possessions you own. How much, much are you worth? How do you determine value? <clears throat> All right, I'll give you two ways. Who owns it creates value. Right? Who owns you or owns it? So I got some tennis shoes on. If I asked you, ask you how much they were, you'd say a few, few bucks, right? But, but if they were Michael, Michael Jordan's shoes, I mean, he actually wore them, or who's a, who's a decent basketball player? But anyway, some football star, star or some... TV or movie star, star or music person, if they owned those shoes, they, they would be a lot of money. Who own, owns it creates value. Uh, parents technically don't own your kids, but you would agree that, that your kids have trem tremendous value because they're, they're your kids. How do you judge? Well, Scripture says... You belong to God, my dear children. So, so we are owned by the universe. Now, it becomes a decision. We're all creation God. We only become, become children of God. But that decision is an offer of uh, forgiveness and salvation. But once we've made, made that decision, we belong to God. And it's like this, the story of the um, oil, oil seeker, oil king uh, in the Middle East. East. His daughter got kidnapped, and he posted in a newspaper, willing to pay any price for return. Why? Because she was daughter of a king. And you and I are children of a king. And he's and he willing, he has been willing to pay any, any price for you and I. All right, so ownership determines value. The other, the other thing that determines value is what somebody willing to pay. What's somebody willing to pay? Um, housing market has been great. Always tell my, always told my kids, oh, always tell me, tell me, it's worth so much money. I said, no, it's only worth what somebody willing to pay. So houses is now, people, people are willing to pay more than they're, they're, people are actually asking for that. I thought that's, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? It's only worth what somebody's willing to pay, no matter what, what the best says or the, the real, realtors or the, or the or we know we got a realtor here. Here, <laughs> uh, it's only with what somebody's willing willing to pay. Now, amazing thing to me is like art. Uh, somebody might buy some art for a uh, million dollars, and then somebody's willing to pay ten million dollars. Um, it's only worth. Okay, so so God has gotten you and I. How much is He willing willing to pay? Corinthians, uh, um, this. <clears throat> We were bought with a price, okay? We were ransomed, we were paid for. Our sins were paid for. A precious price paid by Christ. What was the price? Suffering and death, right? 
So it's the context of talking about slavery. So he says, don't become slave to men, to Christ. Anytime, anytime you doubt your value, it's Jesus. On that cross. He was willing to pay that price for you. Nothing more valuable than the blood of Christ. You and I are inestimable, estimable, is that a word? Value. <laughs> All right? So we're valuable, we're acceptable, acceptable. Thirdly, another one. Again, just because, just because of God's grace. God's God in me is lovable. About you, and I don't always feel lovable. Doesn't, doesn't it really feel good to be loved? The fact that I know my wife always loves me and my kids, kids love me and hopefully some of you love me. Um, it just makes you feel good, doesn't it? Does it? Notice this scripture. I thought this was interesting. It says, for, for, for the mountains may move. I don't know mountains move. And he'll, and he'll disappear. That's pretty dramatic. But even then, my faithful love, God speaking, of course, for you will remain. God, faithful love. See, God, God's love is different than ours, and we only can experience human love here, here on earth, so it's hard for us to, to relate to, to God's love. So, love. so let me give a couple of aspects of God, God's love that's different than human love. Even the best human love. See, God's love is per- perfectly consistent, 100% consistent. Now, our problem is we've never experienced 100% consistent love. You know, my, my wife probably loves me more than anybody else. But else, her life isn't, isn't perfectly consistent. Your spouse's isn't either. Your parents' isn't. Uh, your, you love for your kids, kids is perfectly consistent. Now, the problem with, with this is that inconsistent love pr- produces insecure kids. So, so the, more, the more consistent your par- parents were, the more insecure you are uh, as a result. So, God's love, God's love is distant. Secondly, or kind of same idea, same idea is his, his love is unconditional. And again, again, none of us have ever, ever experienced unconditional love. My wife and I talk about this sometime. Time. Okay, what would I have to do for you to say, say, oh, I'm finished with you. And in reality, every couple has a spot. <laughs> Eventually, you can do something so horrible, something terrible to me, then I'm going to end my relationship with you. It's just this. Right? right? But God's love isn't like that. Isn't that amazing? Now, we, we, we do things like, I, like, I love you if you love, love me. I'll love you as long as you do what I want you, I want you to do. As long as you, you know, cooperate with me. I'll, I'll love you. Or, I, I love you because you're beautiful. Or handsome. What happens when we get old and ugly? You're going to stop loving? Or, I love you because you, you're up for your mind. What happens when I get Alzheimer's? So we have these conditions. If you ever wondered God might not love you, can't happen. His love is un- unconditional. You can't do something to make God not, not love you. It's kind of like most of us that are parents. Our kids really, it's hard to imagine them doing something we stop loving them, right? Much more so God. So God, because of his grace, we are lovable. A uh, couple, couple more and we'll shut up. Uh, another biggie is this one. I am forgivable because God's grace. How does he see me? He sees me as forgivable. I don't know about you, but it seems like I've done some things in my life I like that are pretty hard to give. So aren't you and I, I certainly hope you're, you're glad that God 
finds you forgivable. Otherwise, we'd have no relationship with him. This is God going to go um, <clears throat> uh, spend some time in a cabin up in the mountains. So he's driving up the mountain and runs out of gas, gets out of his car, says, I'll walk the rest away. But he forgot to put his brake on, and the car drifts off the side of the mountain. Oh, man. Well, I better keep going. At least I get some shelter. shelter. Before he gets there, it starts pouring down rain, and it's cold, and he's shivering. He's getting close to the house, and just before he gets to the house, lightning, lightning hits it and catches on fire. And he is so distraught, he cries out to God, Why me, God? And God's response to, his, to him is, Some people just, just tick me off. Now, that's a joke, The point being, sometimes you and I feel that way, that way, don't we? That we've ticked off God, and this, and this is why this bad stuff is happening to us. It's not true. Even though I feel that way, way that way. Uh, uh, Isaiah. I say, God's king again. I alone will, bl- will blot your sins. Why? Because we deserve it? No. That's what grace, what grace is. For my own, my own sake. He chooses to. Uh, I will never them again. I mean, he can, can if he wants, but he's just cho- chosen not to. It's bad, the- bad theology, but some of us feel this way. God's just trying to get even, even with us. God's punishing us. God's, God's a grudge against, against us. And so that's, that's, why, that's why this is happening, or this, you know, this is not working out, or, or this is why I, 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 I feel bad. Feel bad. <clears throat> it's interesting, as, as a pastor, people talk to me as they leave, go out the door. door. And uh, they say negative, negative things to me. Maybe you're thinking of them, but they don't say it. But mostly they're, 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 they're uh, uh, play things. Well, this one preacher had this, this lady to every Sunday, she'd get to the door as she was leaving and say, Pastor, uh, uh, this week God really com- convicted so-and-so. Next week, something different. Really convicted me of so-and-so. Next week, uh, really convicted me of so-and-so this week. Finally, he got to this and he finally said, he said to her, does God ever say anything nice? Do you ever feel that way? God ever say anything, anything nice to you? I put it on an outline <laughs> so that you, you would think, think about that. Does God ever, ever say anything nice to you? So those of you who are Jesus followers, if you're not, we're glad you're singing our, our prayer. When you cross that line, accepted God's gift, an amazing gift of forgiveness, and entered into this eternal relationship, which sins did God do? We talked about being, being forgiven. Which sins did he forgive? Past ones. I guess we'd all agree to that. Uh, what about present sins? Be those. But what about future sins? What you and I do this afternoon, tomorrow, this week, next year? God to, to promise you an eternity with him in heaven, when you and I stepped across that line, he had to say, I'm forgiving all your sins, past, present, and future, right? Because we have to be completely forgiven to get into heaven. Uh, some people have some bad theology disrespect, I think. We have this idea, I get up to judge, I'm going to die, I'm going to judgment, and God's going to show me a movie, movie of my life. Now, I don't know about you, but that would be hell. God, God's showing me a movie of my life. life. Not only what I've done, he could even show, show thought. That's bad theology. Once, remember, you just read that verse. God chooses to forget it. 
So there's no, there's, there's no, uh, there's, there's no movie to show. We get, we get to skip right into heaven, so to speak. You ever get been someplace and you got to skip ahead for some reason? reason? Uh, somebody, somebody realized who you were or you were important enough to skip ahead. ahead. It's a cool feeling, feel, right? You get, get to skip ahead. You and I die, die, get to skip right, right to God's presence into heaven. So we're, for, we're forgivable. Amazing as that is. And lastly, because of God's grace, because he chooses to, how does he see me? He sees, sees me as capable. As capable. I don't know, but, but lots of times in life I don't feel capable. Being a pastor seems like a possible job. I don't know. I'm, I'm able to do that. Well, I'm going to read a familiar verse, verse to some of you, but, but I'm reading an amplified version that kind of fills in some of the, the meanings. So this is Philippians 4.13. Another verse? I do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things. All things, all things. I can jump, you know, 10 feet high. No, 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 no. I can do all things which he has called me to do. do. In my case, to be a pastor, for example, he's called me to do that. How can I do it? Through him, him who strengthens and empowers me. Got some parent, parents this morning. That seem impossible to be a good parent sometimes. To just do, do the right things with your kids all, all the time. Well, you got this promise. God, God has called you to be a parent. He is will we'll strengthen and empower you, you to do it. I know sometimes you feel like you're out of, en- of energy or out of power. Why? Why would he do that? To fulfill his purpose. He wants you to be a good parent. I am self-confident. I don't, don't really like that word. It's sufficiency. So, so I, I like Christ-confident or Christ-sufficient. I am ready for anything. That's cool, right? Be ready for anything. And equal to anything. E- equal task. How is that possible? Through him who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace. Experts tell us there's a there's an epidemic of low low self esteem in the United States, especially among I don't know why it's higher among women women. So the problem is where is your security? Without security, you have low self esteem. So I put this also on your outline. For genuine security in your life, so you'd have self-esteem, you have to have something in your life that can't, can't be taken away. So, got, got money. can money be taken away? Do you have health? Can your health be taken away? You have a job? Can you, could your job be taken away? Uh, you have a happy, happy marriage? Can, can you lose this, that? Uh, spouse could die, necessarily literally leave you. Um, I can't think of anything in life that can't be taken away, except for one, relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So my security, my self-esteem is based on God's grace. So, so love esteem, I'm going to call it a curse. So here's the question. How do you reverse a curse? And it goes back to what we talked about at the beginning. By listening to the truth, by changing the way you think, by li- listening to truth. Now, we believe this book is truth. <clears throat> listening to the truth, guys. <laughs> so, you and I, 24 7, have a choice to make. Am I going to believe 
what I'm thinking, I'm feeling, uh, or am I going to believe what God says? An interesting thing, it's like, like a scale. So I get some negative input over here, and then I get some God's word over here. Now you think it's a one-to-one ratio? What do you think? it's one-to-one ratio, yes or no? No, no. If somebody says something negative to, to, to me, I think about that probably 10 times more than I think of something somebody says, says something nice to me. So we have to weigh a heavy, heavy balance on uh, truth and God's word. Parent, that's why it's so important for you to pour positivity into your kids, and especially God's, God's word. So, so that's first for this morning. <clears throat> Paul again, again writing, writing, I pray that God, what's, what's he praying for? This God that's a source of, our, 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 of hope will fill you completely with joy. There's our, there's our word. And, and peace. Because you trust in him. In him. You believe what he says. He says. Then, then you will flow. Notice this phrase. Confident hope. Confident hope. The power of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. I, don't, I don't know what... what most of you, are, maybe all of you are going through. I don't know what, what hurt you experienced in the past, pain, broken heart. Maybe some major hurt right now. Interesting thing, thing is God, God hurts with an eye. An eye. Now, that's not too hard for us to understand. Same thing. Parents, when you're hurts, you, you hurt, right? And, and you wish you'd change places with, with other or unfortunately, if a child die, you would die, let, let, gladly die, die in their place. God hurts. But, but also, we hurt. Uh, the, the people people you do with hurt. hurt. Your spouse, your family, your small group, uh, your, your church. We hurt. We hurt. When, I, when I hear, hear parents, the people, struggle people are going through, it breaks my heart. Because of, of what sin has done to, to this world. So, where's your, where's your security? Your, your security or your attempts at that security comes from what you have as number one, number one in life. If your spouse is number one in life, your security comes, comes from that. If your needs are number one in your life, your security your, this, this, uh, attempt, attempt at security is that. But the only true security comes from what? A relationship God through Jesus is Christ. So, so, I listed five, five things, the way God, God sees us. You may, may be struggling. Most people struggle, struggle with at least one of these. I, I don't I believe that. Well, I, I think God, from God's word. I hope I have. But my assignment for this week. I want to encourage you to review all those five, five things. Thank you, five minutes, minutes every, every day. All right? Review those five things. Seek to see, to see yourself the way God sees you. you. Who are you going to leave? Your parent, your spouse, somebody at work, or what God says about you? What mirror are you going to look into? Let me end with this story. <clears throat> a guy, a professor, Mr. Craig, who's a professor preaching in a seminary. Kind of a cool job. job. Hey, hey, professor. So, uh, him and I went on vacation down in Gatlinburg, Gatlinburg Tennessee. And they're having a time, and they're sitting there uh, uh, sharing a meal. And this elderly gentleman comes up and up to him and says, Hey, how, how are you folks, folks doing? Having a good time? And they're saying, Yeah, yeah. And, and of course, they're str- he's a stranger. And, 
he's just hoping he's going to go away pretty soon. And um, finally, I asked him, uh, what do you do for a living? And he said, oh, this will get rid of him. I'm a professor of preaching at a seminary. It gets rid of those people, right? Even if I tell them I'm a preacher, preacher I can get rid, get rid of people sometimes. So he's, oh, that's fascinating. He, he pulls out his chair and sits down, I've got a preacher story for you. And so he goes to tell him the story. He said, I grew up an Ill- illegitimate uh, uh, child in a, in a small town. So everybody knew. Uh, we didn't know, know who my dad was. Other people didn't know who my dad was. I was looked down upon. Um, didn't have, really have any friends. Um, and I felt, even if they weren't, I've judged and looked down, looked down by other people. Never went to church. But one day, uh, our little town, the, town the, the church in our little town got a new, a new preacher. And I heard, I heard people talking about how good this new preacher was. So he said, I, I thought I'd check it out. But I didn't, want, I didn't want to interact with people. So I snuck in late and I would sneak out or out early. And he was pretty good, so I kept, kept coming back. So after a few weeks, I made the mistake of not getting up early and leaving. And of course, the people got in the aisle and I, I, I got stuck. So I'm trying, trying to get out and all of a sudden I feel this big, big hand on my shoulder. And he says, hey son, who family are you? And of course, the most embarrassing question he could have been asked. And he didn't know what, what to say or what to respond. And before, before he answered that, the preacher said to him, I know, I know whose family you are. You are the family God. You're, you're one of God's children. And the guy, guy goes on to say, that changed my entire life. When I saw, saw myself as God saw me instead of hell, I, th- I felt other people saw, saw me. And he got up and left. Left. So the waitress comes over and, over and she says, you know who that was? I said, no, it's just some stranger. That's a, that's a two-time governor of the state of Tennessee. When he began to see himself as God saw, saw him, it changed his life. So, so, do you see yourself as acceptable, valuable, lovable, forgivable, and capable? I pray that you do. Again, God's grace. Should it make us just proud? Hey, God accepted me. No. It should, should humble us. And in my sinful state, God sees me, me this way. I pray that you do. Let me pray with you. Father God, thank you. We thank your promises because we thank you for your truth. And God, it's so, so hard to see ourselves the way you see us <laughs> uh, through your race. But God, I pray we do. It would transform us. It would help solve this, this epidemic of low self-esteem. And God, help us to, us to share that with others. But you need to be in that relationship with God through Jesus. So if you're not, we pray today with the day that you, you would Believe that, that you would step across that line and, ex- and receive this tremendous gift and joy will, will flood your heart and soul. But God, most of us are believers that are listening, watching. God, at times we struggle with some of this stuff. We would have big, some big mistake and we say, I don't know, God, if you can forgive, forgive one. Or, you know, parenting, parenting seems to be impossible. Well, God, it seems like I keep messing it up. So God, claim this promise that we are, you will empower us to do what you want us, want us to do. And forgive us when we fall short. What amazing security we have in you, God. So we thank you for all these things. And in Jesus' name, amen.